0: Welcome. This is James Corbett at CorporateReport.com.
1: And I'm James Evan Palato from MediaMonarchy.com. Cops can't force your face to unlock your phone. We've got that story, plus the World Bank and the choice of a new generation. But first, May's government survives no confidence vote. This is a developing story as we come to you here on your New World Next Week, episode 363. UK Prime Minister Theresa May has seen off a bid to remove her government from power, winning a no confidence vote. 325 to 306, pretty slim. Labor leader Jeremy Corbyn argued that Mrs. May's zombie administration had lost the right to govern. And then, of course, they head off to give the live speech after this close call. May calls on MPs from all parties to put self-interest aside. In her closing remarks, she said, quote, In a historic vote in 2016, the country decided to leave the EU. In 2017, 80% of people voted for parties that stood on manifestos promising to respect that result. Now, over two and a half years later, it's time for us to come together, put the national interest first, and deliver on the referendum in, quote, she concluded before immediately turning around and walking back into number 10. James, this is, as we again, need to know, to developing story. What do you see on your side?
0: Yes, it is a developing story, so it'll probably have moved on by the time we actually publish this video. But at least for the time being, we're still stuck in the Brexit limbo hell um, that essentially has existed since the time of the vote. And does anyone even remember what was actually voted anymore? Does anyone actually remember what the actual vote question was? It wasn't that complicated. It didn't seem at the time, I'm sure, to a lot of the people voting, that it would be this two years of nonstop political wranglings threatening to bring down the government and everything. Should the United Kingdom remain a member of the European Union or leave the European Union? A question to which there were only two choices remain a member of the European Union or leave the European Union. That was the choice, and 52 to 48, the British public made their vo- voice heard. Let's leave the European Union. Oh, no, 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 no. You think it's that simple? No. Let this be yet another reminder to anyone in the European Union, bureaucratic hell, and let this be a good warning to anyone not. In and lucky enough to not be in that situation, this is not how these bureaucratic globalist monstrosities work. You do not get a say in this. They, you might get the illusion of having a say in any of what's going on, but you don't at the end of the day. Because even if, by the un, incredibly unlikely event that the public actually does get to say no or let's leave or you know thumbs down to you guys. They will do anything, any pull any trick in the book to make sure that you keep voting until you vote the right way, exactly as they did with the EU constitution, voted down by France and the Netherlands before they reformulated it into the Lisbon Treaty. Lisbon Treaty voted down by Ireland until they made Ireland vote again, until they voted the right way, and now we have this Brexit that isn't a Brexit and it's not going to happen. Or at least it looks like it's not going to happen in any form that's going to be palatable to anyone. And so, you know, it's very likely that there might be another go-round. Hey, guys, are you sure we still want to go ahead with this? Who knows? We'll see what happens between now and March 29th. But a lot of things could happen. I will point uh, people to a good conversation from a few months ago that I think is still relevant um, between Patrick Henningsen and Mike Robinson on 21st Century Wire. Back in November, they were discussing how Brexit was, in the form that they're talking about and the political debate going on, not likely to go ahead because of the Irish border issue, and how this is part, potentially, of a planned, basically, takedown of the Brexit uh, idea. Uh, This is a controlled demolition of Brexit, as it were. Hey, guys, yeah, you can vote all you want, but if it isn't the right answer, according to the EU bureaucrats, you're not going to get what you want anyway. Um, So, we'll have to see what form this takes, if there is a plan B, if there's another referendum but uh let again let this just be a reminder this is exactly why I assume a lot of the people who voted to leave the EU voted to leave the EU because of this kind of nonsense and the fact that you are essentially now wedded at the hip and trying to extract it is like trying to cut free Siamese twins. It's a very difficult process because of all the bureaucratic fingers that have their uh, tentacles into every aspect of British life. Um, So good luck to my british brethren my literal british family and uh and all the people out there that are f- putting up with this um keep up the struggle it's gonna be probably a lot worse before it gets better
1: if i had to put my if i had to put money on it i'd wager they'll come up with another new election selection round and let people vote the right way again if i if i had to bet um, this has been going on for three years. We were talking before we started to roll. I'd forgotten. David Cameron was the Prime Minister when Brexit passed and then resigned, and then that's what got you Prime Minister May. I think it's really interesting kind of parallels between the UK's super Brexit freakout With the three weeks and counting government shutdown here in the States, if I can include just some related agenda to what governments like to do to you, gun gets by the TSA during U.S. government shutdown, or as our friend on the tweets, Sapient Diaspora notes, wage tax funded monopoly on violence shuts down partly to fear tax people into begging for restoration of and more theft for a competent monopoly on violence. And you know it's serious when it starts to affect our important cultural rituals. Government shutdown brings uncharted territory for the upcoming superb owl ritual. And the latest, pretty much just as Theresa May was speaking today, Nancy Pelosi was pretty much kind of pulling a power play on America's next top president, trying to delay the big State of the Union speech until the government shutdown ends. The the icing on all of that. Some of the Congress critters while the government shutdown's is going on. Democrats vacation with lobbyists amid government shutdown. Pretty sweet time in Puerto Rico. James, before we move on to our second segment, any thoughts on my shutdown here in the States? Yes,
0: it would be tempting for people of a uh, libertarian or freedom-oriented bent to say that this this is great. The shutdown is great for liberty because they will show people what life without government is like, but that's not actually the right way to look at this. And for a good breakdown on that, I'll point people to a great article from previous CorbettReport.com guest, Jeffrey Tucker. No, this shutdown does not look like liberty for that other side of the argument and what uh, what's a more reasonable take on this for people of a freedom-oriented bent.
1: Interesting. So I... I'm always making Coke and Pepsi jokes about the fake left Democrats here and the phony right Republicans. It is truth and satire. It's all come to life. Swamp Thing's choice for a new generation. White House considering former Pepsi CEO for World Bank president as Zero Hedge writes, get ready for a free Pepsi soda machine in every emerging market ghetto. Refuting rumors that Ivanka which I hadn't heard, was going to be set to fill one of the top ranks at one of the world's most important NGOs. The New York Times reports that the White House is considering Indra Nooyi, the former CEO of Pepsi for the position of World Bank president. Nooyi stepped down from a role at Pepsi last August After leading the company for over 12 years, she's been courted as an administration ally by Ivanka Trump, the president's eldest daughter, who is playing a role in the selection of a nominee. We will include the original link, White House considering Indra Nooyi to head World Bank, and we'll also include, as I I like to whenever we sort of introduce these new characters on the grand chessboard here, James, and on our New World Next Week episodes, you just, you know, head on over to the, the truthiness of Wikipedia just to get the basic rundown on folks. And what can you learn about Indra Nooyi besides Pepsi? Beginning her career in India, Nooyi held product manager positions at Johnson & Johnson. And while attending Yale, Nooyi completed her summer internship with 9-11 suspects Booz Allen Hamilton. A little flashback to this as there's been the discussion about whether or not Trump would get to pick the World Bank president, just like there's always discussions about He's going to get to pick yet another Supreme Court justice. The specter of Donald Trump is haunting the World Bank, the New Republic reported just a few weeks before the stunning conclusion of America's next top president. James, you're shocked, shocked and appalled, I bet.
0: Oh, yes, of course. Well, you've already played on uh, the catchphrase a couple of times, the choice of a new generation. <laughs> I wonder if the younger people in the crowd even remember that particular sl- I wonder if there are younger people in our crowd. But anyway, uh, but it is an apt phrase because this is the choice of a new bankster generation this is a powerful corporate uh, corporate minded corporate slave corporatocracy uh, slave master who is the right color and the right gender for the to, to to fit the left side of the spectrum they can't criticize her obviously and for the right side of the spectrum don't worry I mean she's a good corporate uh, lackey of Johnson and Johnson and Booz Allen Hamilton and all of the, you know, Pepsi. I mean, come on. She's, it hits all military industrial and big pharma and, and uh, the, uh, the chemical monstrosity that is Pepsi Cola. It's just, just checks all the boxes on both sides of the left, right paradigm. And as we all know, that's, that's all that exists in politics. So congratulations. I think it's the perfect appointment from that perspective. Um, how can it be criticized by anyone? right? Because th- this is what equality is about. It's about getting women to, <laughs> in, on board with the, the military, industrial, corporate power grad complex, right? Um, anyway, for people who want to know about what it is the World Bank actually does, I mean, what does it actually do and what does it mean and what, how does it operate and function? Uh, I will humbly uh, point people back to an article I wrote five years ago now for the International Forecaster. So what does the World Bank do exactly? Where you can read more about that.
1: James, did you catch in the last couple of weeks, and and again, like lots of, you know, we laugh to not cry about it, how excited all the establishment media, Rachel Maddow, all the MSNPC, all that stuff, women now run all the military industrial complex companies, super duper excited. Women run the CIA, they get to run the torture, they get to run, but it's just a a real fantastic time to be alive, James. You know what we need? We need a little bit of good news. We will close out episode 363 with a little bit of good news. Cops can't force people to unlock their phones with biometrics. A federal judge in California has ruled that law enforcement can't compel a suspect to unlock their phone with a fingerprint or face recognition. Combine that with a previous court ruling that held that the cops can't force a suspect to tell them their password. We are getting some clarity. The U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California ruled that requiring a suspect to unlock a device using their biometric data like face ID or an iris scan would be a violation of their Fifth Amendment protections against self-incrimination. If a person cannot be compelled to provide a passcode because it is a testimonial communication, a person cannot be compelled to provide one's finger, thumb, iris, face, or other biometric feature to unlock that same device. Judge Candace Westmore wrote in her opinion, What was unexpected was Westmore's pronouncement that technology is outpacing the law. And in the court's view, biometric data could be considered testimonial communication protected by the Fifth Amendment. Testimony is not restricted to verbal or written communications, the judge wrote, and we will include not only that ruling, U.S. District Court for Northern California ruling on biometric unlocking of smartphones will include that previous ruling about the passwords as well. So isn't this kind of interesting, James, I think we kind of talk about how in some ways Satire is outpacing you know, or reality is outpacing satire rather is sort of dead. Technology outpacing the law. So I throw this back to you, James. I just the courts may say one thing, but it's kind of a whole different ball game when you get pulled over and you're by yourself and some dude with a weapon says, do it. Exactly
0: right, and this goes back to all the sorts of arguments that happen about different things. What are you compelled to do? What do you not have to do? What What is the Supreme Court precedent here? You can see some of those confrontations when people record them and put them up on YouTube, telling, informing officers, no, by Supreme Court I'm not, I'm not obligated to give you my uh, identification, and blah 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 and, but it doesn't matter when they have a gun, and they're, or a taser or whatever it is, whatever torture item they have, uh, and are compelling you to do something that's where the rubber meets the road. But yes, it is important. The, the, the sort of legal structural framework for the future is being laid right now through decisions like this that may not get a lot of the, the headlines. It's not as grabby as a lot of the other things going through the news wires, but is extremely important uh, going ahead, assuming that things continue along with the status quo legal structure as it exists. And another part of the ruling that I don't see getting any attention, but I think is also important, is that um, in the conclusion. Uh, the judge writes, further. furthermore, the government may only seize those digital devices that law enforcement reasonably believes are owned and or possessed by the two suspects named in the affidavit, i.e. the government can't go into a premise that they have a search warrant for and take any device and make, you know, do anything they want with it. No, the devices have to at least be owned by the people that they are, have this specific search warrant for. It's another uh, reasonable limitation on, on uh, what the police powers are in this case. And I hope that that also sets a precedent. And uh, hopefully, again, yeah, yeah the proof is in the pudding. And uh, I suppose the, uh, the the real teeth of these kinds of rules are in the enforcement. Does it get enforced the way it's supposed to? Or how does it actually happen on the ground? And that's something that'll have to play out. But hey, let's take the good news where and when and how we can get it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and James, I'm glad you went into some of the more, because like in a lot of these situations, we're giving a boiled down version. There is a lot of fine print. There's a lot that goes on in a lot of these stories. And we include everything linked that we source and cite all right down in the show notes. James, I'll include one last related that I think kind of goes along with this, because I've heard speak of it in the social media world. On the one hand, we're talking about not being forced to give up your information. But then on the other hand, you have people just willingly spill out all their personal information. There's a new thing making the rounds on all the social media platforms, the 10-year challenge, where you post a picture of yourself now and a picture of yourself from 10 years ago. And folks who work tech for a living have gone, huh, what a fantastic way to get two decades worth of biometric information about people. So is it just another harmless meme? Probably not. In closing, I told folks about bitbacker.io last week this week's payment processing update James Uh, Media Monarchy is included in the first batch of creators good to go on Subscribestar.com's new relaunch I'd love to see some folks support us at Subscribestar.com slash monarchy. That's just one of the numerous ways you can support our work, James. Pretty much since you said it last week, I've been going, ah, Corbett said it the simplest, most perfect way that I've now been saying it. I don't care how you support me as long as you support me. MediaMonarchy.com slash support. James. You know, I'm thinking about
0: it. Of course, I'm not on CIA Facebook and never would be Fedbook. But uh, if I was, I guess my 10 year challenge, I I would post uh, when false flags don't fly and alongside this video. And there you go. Hey, take that AI Google bots that are trying to get the facial recognition technology down. Here's here's something you can learn from while you uh, while you put me into your biometric database.
1: We, We might be able to mess it all up with
0: our graying beards as well. There you go. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for this week. James, looking forward to again next week. All right, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Take care.